head over to patreon.com slash severe MMA podcast to sign up for our premium content. From the Q&A to the rewatch, we provide multiple shows per week for all your combat sports needs. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of SevereMMA.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. MMA. The Severe MMA Podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA Podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome, everybody. It's episode 308 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. Shawnee Podcasts, the score lord, the legend. Joined today by Graham McDonald as we talk about a, a pretty big week in the world of mixed martial arts. So we're going to start off the podcast today uh, by looking forward to next week. So we're going to preview UFC 261. Uh, we're going to have a look at a couple of other things as well. And uh, then we're going to look back at Bellator, and uh, then I'm going to throw it over to Sean Sheehan to discuss uh, UFC Fight Night, Whitaker versus Gastelum, and also a bit of uh, Jake Paul and the other lad, possibly, maybe, if that uh, if that's actually a thing. But first of all, let us give a shout-out to our friends over at Manscaped, and uh, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Flowers are blooming, the grass is growing, it's time to mow your lawn too. Thanks to our sponsors, Manscaped. You can trim the hedges below the belt safely and efficiently. I'm talking about the ball trimmers, of course. Manscaped, the global leaders in hems below the waist. Grooming have an exclusive offer for our audience. Use the promo code SEVERMA to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the other 2 million uh, men who trust Manscaped. They're here to make sure your balls are smooth and and nice after that it's time for some spring cleaning <laughs> i don't know what you're cutting with that <laughs> oh god man's kept the global leaders in men's blood west grooming and have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0 this legit package has precision engineering tools for your family jewels and will help unlock your confidence and and best self this spring uh the perfect package 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0, which is waterproof, cordless, body trimmer, uh, which you just heard from me and Graham there, and a ton of other uh, liquid formations to round out your grooming routine. This third genera- generation trimmer uh, features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce shaving incidents. Manscaped obsesses over technology to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Uh, inside the perfect package... You'll find also find the crop preserver. There's absolutely fantastic. It's starting to get hot outside, so this is crucial to keep your balls <laughs> to stop your balls sticking to your leg. Okay, uh, and as a treat, <laughs> you'll find the crop reviver, <laughs> which will keep your balls smelling fresh, just like spring flowers. On top of the lawnmower 3.0 and formulations, Manscaped has thrown in two free gifts: the shed travel bag and the boxer briefs as well, which are both brilliant. Your comfort is going to be next level. Uh, all over the place. Uh, this is the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVERMMA at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and use the right tools for the job. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVERMMA at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Right, Graham, let's look ahead to this big UFC card, UFC 261. 
Um, and it's, it's, I suppose it's a while since we've had a card as big as, big as this even. I can't speak today. Um, three UFC title fights up towards the top. A big UFC middleweight contender fight. Uh, former light uh, light heavyweight title contender and a few more as well. Uh, on a scale from one to ten, Graham, how is your uh, how is your anticipation levels for this card? Yeah, I'd probably give it like a, a seven. Um, it's uh, it's definitely you know um, there's definitely some very high quality fights on it and and all that. And there's some fights that like you know uh, are intriguing. You don't know which way they're gonna go, but uh, I don't know. It doesn't have it. it I don't know, it doesn't have um, as much excitement as maybe, you know, it did the first time around when Osman and Masvidal fought. I don't know, how would, how would you rate yeah. it? Do you have it higher than a seven? I'd probably have it around a bit of a... I'd have it probably around eight, eight and a half maybe. I think, I think overall, if you had like these three title fights, right, and say these fights had never happened before, and then you have some of the other fights which we'll get into in a few minutes... I think it'd be a brilliant, brilliant card. And more you and me and everyone probably saying it's in the nines. It's a fantastic card. You know, three UFC title fights on it. The problem is Usman versus Masvidal as the headliner is actually kind of taken away from the card for me and you and everyone listening to this, you know, hardcore fans of the sport. Because we kind of, I think a lot of people, not only do we predict and know what's kind of going to happen, maybe you know i think it happened mma but we've already seen it and we didn't see it that long ago and okay maybe over the next week we'll be able to fool ourselves into thinking that uh masvidal is going to come in in different shape and he was in it was short notice for the last fight even though this is only four weeks so it's kind of short notice again but um maybe you know during the week and we'll do the betting show towards the end of the week as well and maybe that we'll have changed our minds by then but for me Looking at this card now, I think it's a great card with a fight at the very top that, like, I can imagine myself next Saturday at, uh, at like, half six in the morning or half five or whenever it is, and this is coming on, I'm like, there's just been, uh, you know, Andrade versus Tushinko, we'll get into it, this was on, it was probably a good fight, and Zhang versus Namiunas was on, it was probably a good fight, and then we're like, oh... Masvidal versus Usman, really? Do we really want to? Do we really want to see this? And now, hopefully, I'm wrong. Hopefully, it turns out to be a great fight. But that's uh, you know, what's it that Artem Lavov says? It's easy to be the general after the battle. <laughs> so I think when we're talking about this card, maybe next week. And obviously, if it is, we'll we'll ch- I'll change my tune. And I'll say it was a great fight. Um, but I feel like that's the only thing taken away from it. Do you but, think if yeah? Do you think if Masvidal had gone in there and gotten like a spectacular performance or, or knockout or something in between, just against, doesn't even have to be like you know the best, second best guy in the world or the third best guy in the world, just a, yeah. a known guy that this would be, this would be more, this would be much more hyped. I think it's, I don't think like you know usually there's people calling for rematches after every big fight, but I don't think there was too many people calling for this rematch, and yeah. I don't think too many people were were too excited when it got announced, and I. I as you said, I don't think too many people are too excited about it now. Maybe like you know, there'll be some kind of incident in the in the, in the pre in the pre fight or in the the fight week or something that might get people hyped or some good promos that might bring up the interest. But yeah, I think I think it was too soon to make this rematch, and I think it's gonna look very similar to the first fight. I think a lot of people yeah. assume it's gonna look very similar as well. I, I look I. I have had people tell me over the last while that casuals will love this and that people are buying into Masvidal and there's going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be big pay-per-view numbers for this card because of Masvidal. Um, and I, look... If- he did seem to be catching on a while ago, yeah. but, uh, like, I think he blew it. Like, I think a lot of people think just were turned right. off him and just... The stick just grew tiresome. There was, there was nothing... There was no depth to the... To, 
to stick. So people were just like, oh, it's the same thing again, or or mm. it's a, a failed attempt at the at humor or a failed attempt at, you know, uh, trying to be somebody or not. Yeah, and it also went from like he but the problem was right there was depth to it i think the, the depth to him was he came from nothing he and he said i started he started baptizing people you know he started knocking people out after all those decisions all those split decisions he had and that is what caught on for him the fact that he hasn't done that and he's what if he had done nate diaz again yeah if he had done nate diaz again he mm-hmm. probably, probably would have won he probably he, he would have got a impressive performance or, or a finish and people would have been like oh well, fuck it, we know nate diaz yeah. and you know uh, exactly like that's back what in the that's, more legitimately in most people's minds yeah that's the kind of argument we made about edwards as well like it's a great fight for edwards and nate diaz fight because if he wins it he'll get that and it's not the you know not the hardest match in the world and nate diaz no you know probably four or five or six maybe years past his uh past his best and with a, a bit of wear and tear on him but I, I look when you take a year off and you don't fight and people like you because you're a fighter that fights all the time and then you're you know you spend your year t- tweeting about politics whether it's pro trump pro biden anti-trump anti-biden it doesn't matter people I, I look there you can get caught up online and you can think everyone has an opinion the vast majority of people just don't like that shit no matter which side of the, the thing you're on so that put off an awful lot of people and it put off like the anti-trump people as well so it's it's he what he has done and look it all started i think with the the whole mcgregor thing where he was wearing the robe and mcgregor just like just fobbed him off which is the worst thing you can do you know he was he had a jeremy stevens moment which is the worst thing you could ever want if you're a a fighter like uh, being somewhat associated with conor mcgregor and it was uh that that whole robe thing was just so bad but i um i feel like look it's it's a big it's a big uh, moment for him because he can get redemption from all of that if he goes out there and he knocks out Usman uh, next weekend all our talk here is null and void he has he'll have recaptured it all he'll be back he will be the the and that is definitely champion. possible yeah do you think so that is definitely possible you know it's definitely possible you know this is MMA and every round starts on his feet and uh, Masvidal's gonna be dangerous in the first round and you know maybe Usman's coming in thinking like oh this guy I'm gonna this guy was easy the last time I'm gonna do the same thing to him you know he could have a bad day at the office, Usman. You know, things can happen in MMA. You know, you can get injured in the fight. Loads of things can happen. You can get hit with a shot. Uh, you know, you can go in for a nice takedown attempt. He can time it with a knee. We've seen his knees before on Ben Askren. I know it was a different situation, but he's definitely a skilled fighter. Masvidal with a lot of tools. Like, if you, if you make a mistake in there, you can capitalize on it. But uh, I do think, you know, I wouldn't be betting any money on Masvidal. But I, it's 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 definitely, you know, he has he has the ability to, to put people away and to land big shots. and Yeah. Uh, I think Usman will will probably you know win four or five rounds, but the threat is there from Masvidal. Yeah, look, I think I I think that the one danger for for Usman, and I did the rewatch the other day, and I watched I watched back um, uh, Masvidal versus Cerrone, and the reason I watched back that fight, you're probably thinking like Cerrone and Usman are completely different. That's irrelevant, but. I, I, the reason I watch it back is because Usman has started jabbing a lot recently. He started being like a long fighter. We saw uh, in his last fight against Gilbert Burns the way he kind of jabbed him up. And at the start, he almost paid for that. You know, he caught a big shot. So Masvidal against that sort of opponent. Now, I'm not saying Cerrone is this jabbing master or anything, but he is a big long guy. Fights uh, standing up very straight. And Masvidal's jab against him was just 
really good and he was coming in with shots behind it and everything and just if you if you find him in that fight so the, the main point I'm making from that and the main point I got from that watching back that fight is if you find him in that sort of fight Masvidal has the power we see when he did the till he has the jab he can beat you with the jab so if Usman has fallen in love with his jab you know we've seen it with fighters before where they fall in love with something and it brings them down that's one way I could see Masvidal winning uh, the fight, and as you said, you know, like Rockhold against Bisping, he comes in, he, he's uh, he's not expecting to win, he's just going in to pick up his belt, and that's it, that's another way he could lose, but that's, you know, a small percentage to me, I think uh, uh, Usman is almost certainly going to win here, I I think he's an intelligent guy, yeah. I don't think he and will win. There's also the fact that in the mentally, mentally from Masvidal, like, you know, he's he, his last fight was getting kind of manhandled a bit there, you know, dominated, and some guys, you know, they can take a fight or two to kind of come back from a from a loss like that. So, you know, maybe he'll be a bit tentative to to throw, for for example, a knee because he knows that if he gets taken down, he's he's you know it's going to play out like a like a, it's it's going to play out badly for him. And if he just kind of stands there and is tentative to throw, as you said, he probably gets get jabbed up, and Usman will be happy to happy to do that and happy to win a decision. So. Yeah, I think um, I think Masvidal should have waited. Like you know, if I think Usman's unless Masvidal beats Mir, like I think Usman's probably most likely to be champion for at least a few more fights uh, in the division. Masvidal, where does he go from there? If he's coming off two losses in a row, comprehensive losses probably uh, in a row to the champion. <sighs> yeah, I, I I think Masvidal should have waited, uh, but it is what it is. It's happening now, so. He definitely has he definitely has a chance, but uh, I think the safe money is is obviously on Usman as as it always is in in recent Usman fights. Yeah, look, I, I think when Masvidal, we'll probably talk about it next week after fights a better time. But look, Nate Diaz is fighting coming up soon. Conor McGregor's fighting coming up soon. You know, win or lose, he could have one of the, those uh, fights. So I think he's in a good position no matter what happens. But only if he takes it, he was in that good position as well a year ago, and he never. You know, prayed in it, but for Usman to yeah, fight, it's a, he could always go back to one fifty-five. He could, yeah. He could. Uh, you know, we'll probably get given out because we talk about weight cutting all the time. But I don't think he's a particularly big one seventy. To be honest, I think Usman is so much bigger. I think. Look, I think this fight, if I was to predict it, I think it'll be very similar to the last fight with Masvidal, maybe being a little bit more careful and the first two rounds maybe being a little bit closer. Um, I just think Usman is too good everywhere. I think, uh, I actually think, you know, I was talking about the jabbing earlier on. I think if Usman comes out and he strikes on him and jabs him, it gives Masvidal a huge chance and a way bigger chance to win the fight than if the fight goes any other way, you know, wrestling or clinching or whatever it might be. But I also think Usman will win the fight if it goes there. I think Usman is brilliant now on the field. I think he'll win the fight there uh, as well if if it goes there. So I actually find it very, very tough to see Masvidal win in the fight. Um, and I think uh, I, I could see this being a 50-45. But it's, look, it's one of those fights we've seen it before. We know the reason it's happening. Usman called him out because he made a big payday the first time. He's thinking he'll make a big payday again the second time because Masvidal is thought to be a draw. I'm not wholly convinced of that, but I suppose we will see. Although I don't actually think we'll see because the UFC, especially recently, especially during the pandemic, has been drawing with very good cards, which is a thing that you think, okay, obviously it's going to draw with very good cards, but it's not always the case. Um, But I think this will. I think the three title fights 
uh, will uh, will draw people in. And let's talk about the other uh, two title fights uh, while we're here. Uh, Zhang Weili against Rose Namiunas uh, and Valentina Shashinko against Jessica Andrade. Let's talk about Zhang Weili versus Rose Namiunas first. I went back and I watched both of them. I actually watched uh, Jessica Andrade versus Rose Namiunas and saved myself a bit of time. But um, I think the, the difference here between Zhang and Rose is... Zhang is more of a striker all around and more of a, like, uh, I don't know, I'd probably describe her as like a Taekwondo artist or a, or a karate, a karateka, whereas Rose is kind of like a, an adjusted boxer, you know, a boxer from for mixed martial arts, I would say. We saw her big knockout over uh, Yuani and Jacek in the first fight with that lovely left hook and her footwork and kind of... Um, angles are very good if that's all the thing you know we always joke about the the angles in, in mma but rose is, has beautiful footwork and she puts her angles together very well whereas zhang is more you know meaty i suppose is, is our type of Jew. she's more she'll bang it in there and hit you with a big shot down through the middle she'll throw a big spinning wheel kick uh to the head or to the body wherever it might be and she's just strong and very very athletic um which can be very dangerous uh, when you're willing to throw it all the time and uh, red dangerous for Rose Amunis. So that's that's basically the look for me on the uh, on the feet. On the ground, I was watching Zhang versus uh, Tisha Torres and Tisha took her down with kind of body locks three or four times. And I was thinking to myself, right, I always say about Rose, whenever Rose Amunis fight comes up, we look at Rose's adjustments from being that early day submission artist to being like a boxer now and i always say if she could put the two of those things together and the transitions between them she will go on to be you know a pound for pound grade a champion that will keep going all the time you know it'll keep going for years and will win the belt back from whaley or whoever comes next maybe because she's still very young as well and go on to reign um and I think that's my take here as well, to be honest. I, look, I think Zhang will win. I think she's too strong, too athletic uh, on the feet. And I think she's actually too strong. She's so strong, I don't think Jiu-Jitsu will work on her either. But I'm going to have like a little a little bit of a kind of a bet with myself here that Rosanami Yunus might win this fight by submission. I really think she might. Because those head and arm throws work against Zhang because she throws so wildly and she gets into clinches a lot. If you can get her in that clinch, she will go down from it. Now, she is very strong and very good at getting out of it. But we've seen Rosanami Yunus before win fights or go for flying triangles and flying arm bars and stuff like that. If she can cinch up that uh, submission very quickly and if she's ready with her jiu-jitsu for when Zhang puts herself in that position, I could see Rose Nami Yunus winning the fight in that way. And that's one thing I, I would suggest people look out for. But I do think this will be a, a, strike, a striking battle even, and I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to it. How, what's your uh, call on, on this one, Graham? You looking uh, looking forward to this yeah, title fight? You yeah, yeah. I, you mentioned there that uh, Rose in the past would go for like kind of crazy submissions. But I think maybe, you know, the, what happened to her against Jessica Andrade in the fight she was winning, maybe will kind of steer her away from from anything too crazy but we've seen her take the back quickly and stuff like that and we could see that here you know as as you said like obviously we know uh how good yang is on the the feet if, if there's any weakness uh it might be in in you know exposing that tisha torres for you and tisha torres is like you know she's gonna cause a lot of troubles uh, for people with her high energy game and her and her wrestling but her wrestling isn't exactly explosive you know it isn't uh it isn't um it isn't like top top level or anything like that. So, um, 
Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely methods of victories here. Like Rose can can knock people out. She's shown that in the past. I think I, I don't think that's going to happen here, but it's definitely a possibility. But um, I could see yeah if if she could create a scramble and then take down and take take the back and work from there. She I think she's she's a very strong in in all positions and she's obviously you know she's fought twenty two fights and only lost one. She's very experienced. Uh, Rose has been a long, around a long time in the UFC, but has only had about half the fights. Uh, yeah, so um, I think I think it's hard to pick Rose in this one, but there is definitely is uh, possibilities and methods of victories that, that she could accomplish. But uh, I definitely wouldn't be uh, you were saying to make it a little bet with yourself. I wouldn't be making any any money bets anyway. Yeah, I, I don't know if we we'll we'll be doing the the betting podcast anyway on uh, on Friday, so it'll be an interesting one. Maybe it'll be one of my outside bets to go for uh, to go for Rose by submission. But uh, yeah, look, I think it'll be a long fight. I think we're in for a lot of long fights and on Saturday night, and I think this will be another uh, long one. But I'm looking forward to it. Look, there was I suppose we have to mention as well. We talked about Masvidal and he's him getting into like the political stuff as well. Rose Namunis did the the same this week where she was talking about like. Uh, and look, a lot of people take take this a lot of different ways. She was talking about communism in China, and she was talking about you know better red than dead, and she was talking about Lithuania, where her people come from, and things like that. And uh, look, overall, I think the point she was trying to make was that she's anti-communism, and and which is absolutely grand. But the, her saying that now that she's fighting someone from China and she's fighting this specific person, and she even though she said it's not because of you know I'm not saying this because I'm fighting this specific person, well. Why are you saying it now? So, so I think like she lost a few fans because of that. Even people I think who would kind of agree with the overall point. It's just such a bad time and such a, you know, such a uh, an idiotic time to bring it up. And there's a lot of, you know, it's kind of a, a thing in, in America as well with, uh, because of after obviously COVID-19 and coming from China and things like that, there's been a lot of Asian crime and stuff uh, in uh, our Asian, um, you know, attacks and stuff in america over the last while so it's kind of a a buzz thing now as well so it's a really really bad time to to bring it up and a thing i hopefully it it's something that won't kind of drag on for too long because i i don't think she meant it as badly as it kind of sounded i think but it was one of those things anyway which is a kind of a lot a lot of talk in the build-up coming up to this fight so we'll uh We'll see how that plays out, and we'll see how the fight plays out as well. But the fight itself, I think it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun one. I think like when you have two strikers like this who are kind of different sort of strikers, but both fast paced and can hit hard and throw a lot. That's always going to be fun. So I'm looking forward to to seeing how it plays out. Um, and in Valentina, Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade, um, my thoughts coming into this fight are enjoy it because. This might be the last time Valentina Shevchenko has a challenge for a long time, unless she goes up, unless she maybe she, unless she goes down, or maybe until uh, 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 maybe if Zhang Weili goes up, maybe um, she's not going to get another challenge. Jessica Andrade has the best chance out of anyone in that 125 pound division of beating Valentina Shevchenko. And to be honest, I don't think she has much of a chance. Now she's a bit, she's as I said, better than anyone. But how how do you see it, Graham? Do you think Andrade is a That's big chance? That's what I was just going to say. I was yeah. like, I was like, no, I don't think so. I thought you were going to say that. I was, uh, I was thinking, uh, no, I don't think so here. Um, you know, uh, she's definitely a really tough fighter. Like she's well rounded. She's developed. She's definitely much better at this weight class. Obviously, she's a former champion, and all that. But um, or fought. She's fought the. She's you know, a the best. Champion, yeah. Uh, yeah, and she's fought the best. So, mm. um, you know, maybe she got the belt in a in a strange situation or whatever. But 
she did, she got the belt. So uh, yeah, um, she's definitely a, a, you know at the top of that division. But I think the skill level uh, is just completely Shevchenko's. Uh, Shevchenko's is better everywhere. I know maybe maybe just like brute force is is with Andrade. But besides that, I think everything everything else is with Shevchenko. So I think uh, she should be able to kind of pick her apart with technique and you know uh, just. Mixed martial arts scale will just be too much for Andrade. Yeah. Uh, look, it's one of these fights where I watch back an Andrade fight and you see what she does very well. She's one of these ones where you don't know. She's uh, in in the middle of like uh, these big barrages of shots that she throws. You're like, is she a sopa? Is she, a, <laughs> is she an orthodox fighter? Because she just throws and throws and throws and throws. Um, and that, do you know what? That's actually a very good tactic, I think, against someone like Shevchenko. Like headedness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you have to be a little bit like that and willing to get hit a lot against Shevchenko to have the chance to go in and knock her down. Look, unless you're a really big, strong wrestler that can hold her down. I know maybe Andrade might do that as well because when you do that, when you are, you know, a bull-like, <laughs> uh, to, to steal a press of WWE, a bull-like structure and go inside and... and uh, and throw hands like that inside it. It does open up the takedown and the clinch a little bit. So Valentina Shashinko has brilliant takedown defense and a fantastic clinch as well. You know, a lot of these Muay Thai fighters have very, very good clinches and she's definitely one of those and hits with elbows and is really good there. She's really good on top as well. You know, we saw that in, in her, her recent fights, um, especially. But I think Andrade might look for a few takedowns. Might just I think you have to change things up about, uh, against Shevchenko. If you want to hit her with a big shot, if you want to knock her out, I think you have to adjust your game. I have to. I think you have to be varied. But that is the big issue with Shevchenko. Do you know what Shevchenko reminds me a little bit of? Uh, and it's funny we're, we're just after watching uh, Man City versus Chelsea there, and I believe Man City lost. But like a Man City or a, um, a Barcelona, one of these teams who just keeps possession all the time. And they never look in too much trouble. And they always look smooth. And they always look like they have you in big trouble, you know? She looks like one of those people who is just like winning and winning and winning and winning. And then you cannot just get that momentum back from her anyway. Um, is there, like, do you think there's a way? Like, sometimes we see fights, like, uh, say, like a TJ Dillashaw back in the day against Hindenborough. And everyone thought Hinden was going to go out and kind of you know, run that fight, and then TJ kind of turned around and he did it. Is there any way, like, you can see that uh, Andrade could do a similar thing to uh, to Van Dijon? That's a very loaded question, I suppose, <laughs> but it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, I think TJ, like, you know, the alpha male problem was, you know, there were a bunch of wrestlers and Dwayne came in, Dwayne Ludwig came in and yeah. uh, clashed with Uriah Faber, the kind of the king of alpha male, and it didn't really work. And when when TJ went off with him, um, went off with Dwayne and put in like you know a lot of a lot of work on the on the striking realm, it really paid off. Yeah. Uh, like I don't know the situation with Andrade as she's brought in any kind of new, uh, you know, um, systems or any new. Mm-hmm striking coaches or anything like that but uh, I, I just don't think she has the the technical striking to, mm-hmm. to trouble Shevchenko she's going to have to you know you know make it dirty or dirt, push up against the cage and try to rough her up always. a bit or that's what she needs to do yeah or threaten, threaten her with the takedowns and make her make Shevchenko worried about that and maybe she can get her striking going there and Shevchenko Shenko has one eye on the on the takedowns and the the 
the striking can can kind of come into its own then for Andrade, but I I just don't see it happening. I yeah. just see Shushenko, Shushenko cruising. I think it's I think it's a similar sort of chance to to Masvidal. I think look, she's a big hitter. She throws big shots and she can smash you down and top your head like she did against Rose Namunas. So she always has a chance. Uh, but that is kind of taken away from what we know about MMA. And we know that MMA is becoming a little bit more predictable. Although it's, it's always going to have a level of uh, of unpredictability. But when you get someone as good as someone uh, like uh, Valentina Shevchenko, uh, you know, I think it's a pretty safe bet that she's going to win. Although I'm looking forward to it. I think she, uh, Andrade won't make it easy for her. I think she'll continue... You know, to battle the whole way through while being a very good fighter herself. So it's not just a case of, like, Cyborg, 90% for fights where she's put in against someone who is tough and they'll stick in there against her while getting the shit beat out of them. I think Andrade will actually, you know, might win a round, you know, <laughs> might win might win two rounds. But I think, uh, I think Shevchenko will win this one again. Like, I, I have a feeling that all these fights are going to go to a decision. I would... I would be surprised if any of them didn't. I will, you know, may, maybe, you know, maybe uh, Whaley versus Namiunas, but you know, I'm, I, I could be in for a, we could be in for a long night of twenty-five minute fights uh, next week. But sure, however, um, elsewhere in the main card, then actually we'll, we'll finish off with Uriah Hall versus uh, Wyman in a second. But on the undercard. I'm looking at the the prelims, the ESPN prelims. There's a one person with a Wikipedia page on it, which is, I suppose, says a lot about it. Is that Randy Brown or who is it, who has a Wikipedia page? No, well, that's that's in the the prelim prelims, but the early prelims, none of them. Kevin oh, Atfidad is there and Jeffrey Molina and stuff. So I don't know any of them boys. We'll we'll see we'll see later in the week maybe. Um, Brendan Allen versus Carl Robertson is is a pretty good fight. Chris, uh, Tristan Conley, even who beat Mikel Pereira in his UFC debut, is back. He's on it featherweight after fighting a 170 uh, against Patrick Sabatini I wouldn't mind seeing maybe the winner of that fight Paddy Pimblet if Paddy's gone down to featherweight again I think Tristan Conley versus Paddy Pimblet would be a good fight so maybe that's one to, to look out for uh, Dwight Grant against Stefan Sekulik uh, and uh, Alex Cowboy Oliveira against Randy Brown I saw Alex Oliveira was uh, a question over on, on the dozen there on, on Barsu the other day so he's uh, famous for that um, then Anthony Smith versus Jimmy Cruz you know Jimmy Cruz is a tough <laughs> tough guy and Anthony Smith's a tough guy as well I suppose but Jimmy Crude uh, coming in after uh, he beat Medestas Bukowskis if I'm not mistaken in his, la- his last fight after losing to Misha Sorkinov I think there might have been one in the middle of that uh, as well and Anthony Smith is kind of people are kind of calling for him to retire there after a couple of fights but he came back against Devin Clark and, and won after a cl- you know uh, fight against uh, Alexander Rakic which went to decision uh, and it was before that that the, the horrendous beating against Glover Teixeira went down so that uh, that should be uh, a fun one as well and then we have Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman in a, in a rematch from a fight that happened before yeah, their UFC the days <laughs> yeah long way <laughs> uh, Uriah Hall has to be the pick here doesn't it yeah well like yeah I think I think it's a hard one to pick you know Uriah Hall is flaky uh, throughout his whole career he's He's, he's had problems with like not wanting to hurt people and he's had problems with just the mental side of, of fighting, I think, in general and letting the shots go. And, you know, maybe the fact that Weidman's beaten him before might might play into to his thinking and his mindset and might affect him. But Weidman has just looked so awful recently. Um, if your Royal Hall can get any kind of shot landed on him, it'll probably have him in trouble and... Yeah, like Whiteman, if he goes in there, wrestle heavy. Hall's not very good on the ground. Um, 
like if Wyburn goes in there with a really smart game plan to to be really wrestle heavy and can can still has enough you know enough juice in the tank to mm-hmm. to shoot a few takedowns like three takedowns and like then he can win the fight so it's like it's not a it's not a write off it's a winnable fight but Uriah Hall like as long as he's he's mentally all there he he has a big chance of winning as well but Uriah Hall. I uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be too confident either. So, yeah, this one could go either way, I reckon. I, I think I'm more confident in your Royal Hall. Is your Royal Hall fighting out of Samford MMA these days as well? I think he is, if I'm not mistaken. And they've been doing really well recently. And I think he has kind of turned the corner a little bit. But as you said, look, we saw against Akhmadov and especially against Gaslam as well that Whiteman can still do it if he is smart and he's with the game plan. But he got knocked out by Jack Ray and knocked out really badly against Dominic Reyes as well uh, in that fight. So, look... Who would you, uh, like, uh, if you were to ask me who I have more, more confidence in, in at this stage of their careers, I would have to say Uriah Hall, you know. He got the the win over uh, uh, Anderson Silva in his last fight, which seems like an age ago. Uh, you know, and he's won, what, four of his last five. So he's in a pretty good run here, and he's not a mile, he's not miles away from the title shot. But, I, yeah, it's it's a difficult, it's not a difficult one. I'm definitely picking Uriah Hall, and I think he will land a big shot and knock him out, but... Sometimes Uriah Hall can go in there, and we'll talk a little bit about that when when we get to Bellator in a second, but Uriah Hall can go in there, and he can not throw a punch for ages, and he can end up losing the fight, because he's either been taken down, like, a few times, and he's got tired, or he's just, like, lost a bit of, of his... Uh, of his power the longer the fight goes and then like Uriah Hall is the type of guy who needs to go in there and needs to do like a McGregor earlier or a Belfort earlier or something like that you know he's a fast twitch knockout artist and I just that's it's a it's actually a topic we might need we might just move over to that topic now because I was talking to uh to the lads in the, the Severe May group the other the other day about about that I think it was Ian I was talking to and, and uh, Jake about like athletics being a big thing in MMA and about like people realizing what their athletic ability is now there was two fighters in bellator last night and we'll get we'll get to them as well or uh or friday night if you're depending on when you're listening and um phil davis was the one in the main event and in julia bud as well two of them are very similar sort of athletes obviously you know <laughs> you know in uh one's uh a ufc 205 pound man the other one's 145 pound woman but you know what i mean they're like further weight class they're big tall strong long you know relatively fast and everything they have to have they have all the athletic ability you'd want now not not everything not all the the athletic ability but they're they're strong athletically and how they use it is a very very interesting thing because usually when you get someone like that and they go to a good camp the camp seems to like teach them all the basics and now be basic be basic be basic do this use your basics and I actually think that's a good thing to do, right? But you also need to get them out of that once they have those basics. I think if you have someone like a Francis Ngannou and if he, he's gone out and he's jabbing up someone the whole time and he's just like standing on the end of the jab, he's going to turn into Phil Davis, you know? He's going to turn into this boring fighter who has never used his athletic ability because he is uh, paralysed by this analysis and paralysed by being very good basically. frustrated with GSP because they knew he could do so much more he could, could finish the guys but when he was champion a lot of his five round fights went to decisions mm-hmm. even like you know uh, he was jabbing Josh Koscheck in the eye 400 500 times whatever the fuck it was um, he could have finished them didn't you know he was taking people down not really taking any chances not really posturing up to land too many shots or taking taking any risks whatsoever and 
you know uh, you can be dominant and all as, as well uh, and uh, you can be dominant like GSP and people will still get pissed off obviously you know a lot of people would take GSP's career and they wouldn't care what people said yeah, uh, the fans talk, but you know, you know, there's a line there, I though, think, isn't there? Like, there's a line. Yeah, like, if you're doing yeah. as well as GSP, shut the fuck up. You don't listen, need to listen to me. Like, you know, you don't need to go out and start throwing hands like Francie Singh and all. But if you have a career like Phil Davis, where you're on the precipice of being a champion for years and years and years, and you never quite make it, that that is the issue. And like, why doesn't Phil Davis make it? Like, someone said to me last night like he's the very same as Usman why can't he do it and I was like right he doesn't have the striking ability of Usman like he just just does not have that why does Phil Davis go out and strike in all of his fights why why is Phil Davis not going in there double legging people trying to take him down do nothing but wrestle turning into Habib Nurmagomedov like why isn't he using that god given athletic ability that he has and that he has kept and look he's in unbelievable shape and he has been throughout yeah. his whole career if he, if he, if he had I'll call Pendred's game plans. You exactly, know what I mean? If he yeah. played played up to his strengths as much as as a call Pendred, for example, uh, did, you know, a guy who, you know, would tell himself that he's not the the, the most like you know seasoned striker or well rounded, you know, martial artist, but he he knew what he was good at, uh, which Phil Davis is even better at, and. Mm-hmm. You know, he obviously Phil Davis has you know has had some big wins in the past, but you know he could have done a lot more. He, he had a lot of promise. He he, uh, uh, I don't know. For who looks so awkward when any punch comes close to him, he's he's way too comfortable striking. As you said, if he was like a Bieber or a Pendred, where he just his game plan was to just basically wrestle you and chain take together until or take ten attempts together until he gets you down. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd be. A, Big, big problem for everybody in the heavyweight division. It'd be a big problem for Francis Ngani. It would be a big problem for anybody. But, yeah. you know, he's, he's, I don't know, he's, I don't know what the reasoning is behind it. You know, maybe, maybe his wrestling isn't quite what it was. Maybe it's the games of the past, what he was good at, and he's not able to do it anymore. But I think he got away from it before, uh, before when it was working, he, he seemed to get away from it. Even, even in victories like against people like Machida, uh, way back, I know that was like he didn't actually win that fight, but he got the decision. Mm-hmm. But you know he could have he, he could have legitimately won that fight <laughs> if he had to just wrestled him, yeah. but didn't for some reason. I don't, uh, it's it's. Do you know what it I is? Know, sometimes this happens. I, I know what it is. I know it's like. It's being intelligent in a fucking stupid sport. You know, MMA, intelligence will only get you so far when you're fighting MMA. You have to be a little bit fucking stupid. Like, okay, you and people will probably say to me, what about GSP? What about Dominic Cruz? Well, there's always exceptions to the rule, okay? But I, I, it's a little bit as well, like the, the low calf kicks and a lot of, like, attacking fighters like McGregor versus Poirier getting caught with him. You're doing really well attacking, but you're getting ed up because you're in an attacking position, winning that fight, and then you bang, your leg is gone, you're gone. Fighting like a Phil Davis or like a Uriah Hall, um, I actually think Uriah Hall is a justice, which I'll talk about in a second, but fighting like that, and certain fighters do it all the time, and they get, I think Volkov is a, a small bit like that as well, and kind of, it seems to be a big guy thing as well, but I think Julia Budd as well, which we'll talk about in a second, is a little bit like that at times, it will get you so far, and it's, it's a very smart thing to do, you know, you're fighting defensively, you're not taking many shots, you're, you're winning, you know, you'll win most fights fighting that way but to be the very best and to beat the very best like davis versus nimkov last night you need an x factor you need something different you need to go to the next level because the person you are fighting in mma today 
will have what you have. They will have the basics, they will have the athletics, but they'll also have that X factor. Like Vadim Nimkov last night, throwing those big straights down through the middle, jabbing the fucking face off Phil Davis non-stop for three or four rounds. People will have that in MMA today, but we're 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 still in a position in MMA, right? Where if you're a good athlete, you will still do very very well in MMA, especially in in uh, in women's MMA, which is obviously you know fifteen or twenty years maybe behind the curve of men's MMA, becoming like really professional, really to the top level where it came to um, where it came into the UFC and stuff like that. So it's it's a little bit even more prevalent there. Um, but I think that's I think it's a very interesting debate. Maybe it's a debate we we'll we'll have uh, another time again on, on the podcast and and uh, continuing one because it's you have to be. Uh, I, I remember uh, Luke Thomas did a, a thing about it before in one of his Q and A's. I don't know, probably about five or six years ago. And I I was thinking about it at the time, and I didn't know if I agreed or not. But he was talking about like a proclivity to violence. And I think that is a very interesting point. Like that, you can only be a good athlete. You can only be. Um, you know, strong, you can't only have a good chin, you can't have all these things, you also have to have that fucking ruthless streak to want to Dan Henderson knock someone's spark out like that, you know, you have to want that to be the very, very, very best at the top of MMA, and uh, Phil Davis doesn't have that, like, Phil Davis, he's like, he's just Mr. Wonderful, he seems like a wonderful guy, like, and you, you know, most people that get to the top of MMA, and they are fucking pricks, <laughs> let's, let's be honest about it, a lot of them are, a lot of them are, and that's, I don't know, it's, I just think it's an interesting debate, and something I really thought of last night, watching him, and watching Julia Budd as well, like that Julia Budd fight, okay, she went in and won, but she was fighting someone uh, called uh, Diana Silva, who is uh, not as good of an athlete, I think, as Julia Budd, but she's faster and big and tall as well, she's not as strong and I could see Julia Budd there and she was fighting the whole fight a lot of people thought it was you know it was a close decision it was a split decision if I'm if I'm not mistaken let me just uh, look here and find out yeah it was a split decision it could have gone either way but um, Silva was tall and fast and just met with that Julia Budd struggled you know someone who was almost as athletic as her or has a very good athletic base as well gave her trouble and I thought that was a, a very interesting thing to, to look at it. but uh, however um, let's run through I'll just run through some of the card there Graham I know you didn't see all of it but uh, JJ Wilson and Pedro Carvalho uh, was the first fight on the night amazingly this was like an upside down card some of the best fights were on the uh, the bottom and as we got up towards the top uh, there, there was some not so great fights but however um, Pedro got taken down immediately in uh, in round one uh, but he kind of turned over and got on top for a while it was a very close round uh, Wilson almost had the armbar at one stage I would have just given it to Wilson but very close I think um I was talking to a couple of people, and a couple of people said Pedro, but it was one of those. Uh, in the second, uh, Pedro was immediately hurt with a lovely spinning back fist uh, from JJ Wilson. Um, Carvalho did really well to survive. I thought the fight was going to be stopped, but he did a great job. Um, JJ Wilson landed some Gregor elbows. Pedro took him down, uh, but landed uh, mounted, and the referee stopped it in. You know, there was a lot of strikes before that and from the referee's point of view you see a lot of strikes then someone gets mounted and takes a few more strikes i think it was a good stoppage you know pedro taking a lot of strikes but jj wilson now eight and all he looks a top top prospect coming through here i know for him and short notice a great win a tough fight for pedro on short notice as well he was supposed to fight uh daniel weichel up until quite two weeks ago maybe or something like that Pe- pedro had no corner either i know um i'm, I'm not well uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but he said because of covid and i know 
I don't know if they're connected now or not, but Brian Moore was forced to pull out of his fight because he said on on uh, Instagram and on Twitter that he uh, actually contracted COVID nineteen himself and he's doing well and everything like that. But um, yeah, so it's a tough time for SPG at the moment. Also, and James Gallagher is out of his fight. I reported that um, yesterday. No reason given yet, uh, but him and Patchy Mix is off and they're looking for a replacement for Patchy Mix, so that's a huge blow after what had been a good week for MMA in Ireland. You know, Brian Moore is supposed to fight Gaito Perez, which would be a huge fight for him as well, so that that's that anyway from that point of view. Um, Mads Burnell and Saul Rogers was the fight, I suppose, a lot of people in this part of the world expected it to be. Mads almost got the... Japanese necktie I think it was in, in round one looked absolutely phenomenal and got to rear neck a choke in round two a lot of people uh, when I was saying when he was in cage wires I was I remember uh, we were debating about UFC Dublin remember it was coming that time and I was like Paul Hughes would probably be better off on, in, in the UFC than fighting Mads Burnell at that stage of his career because Mads Burnell is a fucking animal he is the, I can't believe the UFC let him go Bellator lucky to have him I think he would be fighting for a Bellator title within the next year I think he's that good if he can stay fit and if he can keep getting fights he is an absolute beast on the ground and he can cause people uh, trouble striking as well but uh, Saul Rogers is no mug Saul Rogers is a very very good fighter and Mads Burnell destroyed him here in the second round um Cal Brexton as well from uh, from Sweden got a good win over Victor Nimkov, uh, Lance Gibson Jr., which who's actually the stepson of uh, of uh, what's her name? Uh, got Julia Bud uh, got a good win here. Raymond Daniels went out and got takedowns against uh, Peter Stanonic, and he looked uh, he looked all right, not great. Uh, then there was Bosnian versus Jackson. He won that. Maori beat Sean Brimful of Asher. Um, there was other people fighting as well. Julia Bud, we mentioned that. Paul Daly against Abu Massey. If people haven't seen this, uh, get it on wherever you are. If it's on the Virgin Media app here in Ireland, or I don't know if it's on the Bellator website yet or whatever. This was one of the fights of the year. It's on like the 10 year anniversary of Daly versus Diaz. This first round was brilliant. The second round was brilliant. This is one of. One of my favourite fights ever, to be honest. I know maybe people say, oh, that's mad, but it was a great fight. It was an absolute fantastic fight. Paul Daly was nearly KO'd very early, and he came back and he got the KO with the left hook. And do you know what? This just brought a bit of joy to MMA. You know, Paul Daly is one of those fighters where he comes out, he throws fucking fists. He's one of these guys that lets it go. You know, he has a proclivity to violence. He will just let it fucking go. And look, he might lose some, he might win some. But this was one of the wins, and it was absolutely fucking brilliant. Cut a brilliant promo afterwards. Said, like, I'm the best 175-pound fighter in the world. I was like, come on, let's fight for this 175-pound belt, even though it doesn't exist. So it was... uh, it was brilliant. I absolutely loved it uh, from uh, from Paul Daly. It was great performance from him. Uh, Vet Artega beat uh, Desira Yanez there as well in uh, a post limb that happened in the middle of the uh, of the fight. Uh, and while Corey Anderson got a ground pound win over Yagi Yagshi Yagshi Muradov Yagshi Muradov Yagshi Muradov. Um, I was surprised actually Mordov was throwing a few uppercuts. Didn't land any of them. I think one of them just landed there about two minutes ago. But Corey Anderson just, you know, took him down. Beaston was better on top. Um, and that was that, basically. He won. He almost won near the end of round two, I believe it was, yeah. And then he won in round three. So, good performance from Beaston. Another guy who made a mug of himself online during the week. But however, these things happen in MMA. Uh, there was actually the anniversary of that as well, of, uh, I think, th- today. So, yeah. And uh, in the main event, Vadim Nimkov versus uh, Phil Davis. 
uh, I mentioned it earlier. Nimkov just destroyed him for three rounds. Last two rounds were close because I think Nimkov got a bit tired. And like, I actually feel like the overall analysis Phil Davis to say he doesn't throw enough his grand. But in this fight, I think Nimkov had a great plan to prey on someone like Phil Davis who doesn't throw enough. I think he went out there immediately and kind of stopped Phil Davis throwing more than Phil not throwing. And I think when Nimkov got a little bit tired and it opened up a bit for Davis, uh, he was able to land shots towards the end. So uh, the last, the two, all three judges gave the last two rounds to Davis. I gave all five to Nimkov, but they were very close the last two. But Nimkov without a shadow of a doubt won. Um, so yeah. That's that for uh, for that one anyway. Uh, next week there's no Bellator card, um, but there is a P- one FC on TNT three. We had a one FC card during the week as well. Um, John Lineker's fighting Troy Tronton on this one. Uh, John Wayne Parr is on this against Nicky Holskin in the kickboxing match, I believe. So if you like that sort of thing, which I don't, that should be fun for you. Uh, and in the PFL number one, I think. Um, is Brendan Lachnan like the main event in this, or is that what one of the cards? They had like a vote of who's going to be the main event, and I think Pettis, people, is it? yeah, but or maybe the, maybe it's the main event of like the the prelims or something. But yeah, Pettis against Clay Collard, uh, Nathan Shooter against Martine Held is on this. Lance Palmer against Bubba Jenkins, uh, and as you mentioned, Brendan Lachnan against Shaman Rice. Some fun fights in this. It's a pretty good PFL card, isn't it? I, I must actually ask him where we can watch it. I don't know yet. I assume. I assume YouTube. It was it was on air before, but is it air still going? But I think it's on the way out. But I'll ask and I'll, I'll tweet it out. But some good fights in this card, isn't there? Yeah, it's the best card they've had in a in a, in a while. Uh, it's the first card they've had. You know, looked down the card. Yeah, 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 but yeah, even longer. Um, but yeah, you know, Brendan Lochnane, We've talked about him a lot. Uh, obviously, he's we've seen him. We've seen him fight. We've seen him. Uh, We've seen for the years, and we're, we're, I think the whole MMA community was kind of disappointed with the way he was treated and, uh, by Dana White. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like turned into a running joke. It was just no matter what he did, even on a contender series, uh, he wouldn't be picked for somebody with a way less impressive uh, resume or performance. So I don't know what that's all about, but hopefully he can, you know. Uh, you can put that behind him because it doesn't look like you know it doesn't look like that UFC dream is is coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a big fight for him though. You know this is this is a tough fight. Uh, Shaman Morales is a good good fighter. And if you look up the fight, you have Marcin Held is on it as well. Obviously Lance yeah. Palmer. Uh, Tyler, you Diamond know Lance Palmer. Yeah, Tyler Diamond. Uh, uh, just looking down the card here. Yeah, that, there's a few. There's that, a few Lance fights. Palmer, yeah, Anthony Dizzy. Could, that could Chris be good. Wade. Like- Tough wrestling match, yeah. couldn't it? Palmer against uh, Jenkins. Palmer's he's team alpha male, isn't he? He's been with them for a uh, for a long time. Yeah, I don't know if he's with yeah. him or not, but that, that could be a good uh, a good old battle. So yeah, there's some there's some good stuff. Like I think the thing with PFL as well, you know, with these uh, with these tournaments, and I think I don't know if all these fights are in tournaments, but a lot of them are anyway. Um, is that like you have the ability to make a million dollars if you win this? And in MMA, yeah. you know, we've talked. That's jeopardy. Yeah, it, absolutely. Because I, I, look, I've said before. Uh, and people have asked me about PFL. Uh, look, it's a PFL with the whole tournament thing. It's a gimmick. The gimmick is only as good as the reward at the end of it, but it's also as only as good as the fighters you have in it. And when you have people like Pettis, when you have like Lance Palmer, Bubba Jenkins, when you have Brendan Lachnan, when you have and um, uh, Tom Lawler, when you have Rory McDonald, and all these different ones, and obviously not on the same one, that to me adds a bit of jeopardy to it. That adds a bit of quality to it. And I think... They've done a good job of, of improving that little bit. I'm not the you know I'm not the world's biggest PFL fan, but I've always said I've always think I've been fair with PFL with the, the you know the gimmick that they have. 
the more quality you add to that, the better it will be. And I think this season to have the best the best quality I've ever had, and I think it will um it will be uh, very good. If Clarissa Shields as well is is uh, making her uh, MMA debut uh, in on June tenth, so we don't have long to wait uh, for that. So that should be fun. But um yeah, I'm looking forward to this card, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, everything. Coming up. A couple of other things as well. Um, the light heavyweight title is going to be on the line the fourth of September. Jan Blachowicz versus Glover Teixeira, the fight I think a lot of people wanted uh, before the last one. And um, at UFC 265 uh, on August 7th, Amanda Nunes will be fighting Juliana Pena back down at 135 pounds. Also, Liam McCourt is fighting Janae Harding on the 21st of May at Bellator 259. It's a big fight for for Leah. I think uh, she's she's ranked. I think both of them are ranked. So if Leah wins that, she's not too far away from a title shot. Which I think she probably need a few fights before that. But however, uh, and McGregor versus Poirier, we we broke that down last week. But just as kind of the podcast finished, it was made official. So that's going to be happening on July tenth. Um, two last things before I throw it over to Sean to look at last night's card. Cage Warriors have re-signed uh, Paul Hughes, and they have signed well also re-signed I suppose. Uh, Paul Redmond I think this is great news for everyone I think it's great news for cage wars I think it's great news for both lads we myself and Ian on the, the chasing pack were talking about Paul Redmond and maybe you know a brave or a KSW at this stage of his career would be the right place for him but I think cage wars is a, is a good one for Paul Redmond because you know he's obviously he can stay close to home and there's lots of fights and he knows Graham Boyle and he knows Ian Dean he knows the promotion he's been there before and they have a stacked lightweight uh, pitcher at the moment. And I think it's good. Uh, like, Decky uh, McAleenan's in that. John McColgan's in it. Sardari, the champion. Um, ben Lakdar, Adam Ventra, uh, yeah. Figlak as well. It's, are, you, are you happy to see uh, Reds are back there? It's, I, think it's, yeah. I think it's a good move. Yeah, it would lead you to believe that Reds are wants to make another run at, yeah. you know, the UFC. Because, you know, the payment uh, that he's probably getting at Cage Warriors... Maybe better than a lot of people in Cage Wars, but I doubt it's as, as big as the money he could make elsewhere. You mentioned KSW. Like, so there's a lot of money going around uh, different promotions for, like, you know, yeah, UFC veterans who are really good tests for, for up and coming guys. And, you know, uh, Reds is definitely one of them. And he, he probably could have made it. Probably could have made a much bigger paycheck if he if he had to win somewhere else. But, you know, he's a, he's it seems to me I haven't talked to him. I haven't got any inside knowledge or anything. But that move would indicate to me that uh he wants to try and get back into the ufc so yeah i think it's a you know it's a ballsy move um it, it's easy for guys to you know take take bigger money in other promotions and it's guaranteed money you know it's you know it's coming in you have like a three or four or five contract or whatever it's a risk to to you know go back to cage warriors and try to work your way back into the ufc and you might only make a fraction of, of what you're going to make so yeah fair play to him for going for it if that's what he's doing you know, maybe he's on some kind of special contract, but I, I, I highly doubt it. Maybe he's after taking um, over the Paddy so Pimba yeah, contract, think... is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even, you know, even Paddy Pimba's contract, I don't know if, if that would be as big as any as some of the guys in, you know, for example, KSW. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, fair play to Reds there, you know. Uh, as you said, there's a lot of good matchups there. Uh, he, he's always, his style is always going to be a problem for, for a lot of guys, for, for most guys. So he could, he could definitely, you know, do really well in that division so yeah. he's probably looking at that thinking thinking he can he can rack up a good few wins in a row here in cage warriors and 
you know, use that kind of connection with Cage Warriors in the UFC to get back into the UFC. So fair play to him. Yeah, and I, I think the same goes for uh, for Paul Hughes. You know, there was talks of him going to Brave as well. Even on the Brave broadcast, they mentioned like Paul Hughes. Could we see him in the Brave Cage? Well, okay, fair enough. Um, and you know, there's always rumors flying about, but it was gr- I was really, really delighted to see Paul Hughes a sign back because I think Paul Hughes is. Like I think Paul Hughes might be the most talented guy in Irish MMA at the moment, but I still think he is the one, uh, he is the one where you'd look at and you're like he needs to add a few things. You know, he's had obviously a couple of close fights recently. He lost that fight to Vucinic. I think Paul Hughes needs to add a bit more cage time more than anything else because you with that you get better fight IQ, you get better game planning, you get more experience, and I think with the skill set that he has. That's the dangerous combination. You know, I would be in no rush. Even if it's 18 months down the line, it takes four or five more fights to get to the UFC. I think that would do Paul Hughes nothing but good, to be honest. I'm delighted to see he signed with Cage Because if you do go to Brave, they're throwing you right to the Lions immediately. And you might, you know, you might win the fight, but you might be in a fucking five-round fight against this absolute animal. And then you've no chance of getting to the UFC. And I just, like... If you're a fight at that stage of your career, like Paul Hughes is and like, uh, say, Ian Gary is and other people on the way up and they've talked about getting to the UFC Cage Warriors is the place for it you know okay you might take the financial hit for three or four fights but do you want are you fighting to be the very best in the world and to get the very best money in the world and to get money eventually are you fighting for right I'm on the way up I need the money now and then you know we'll, we'll worry about what happens later on Ugh, like there, if you could do both if you could go through Cage Warriors and get paid 10 and 10 and then go to the UFC and get you know a million quid for fighting for title perfect but I, that's not realistic at the moment I think it's uh, I think it's you know there's a, obviously it's a big debate and it's a debate we've had before with a lot of Irish people obviously signing for Bellator and now Brave and stuff as well but um, and, and Brave isn't just you know a full uh, full time stop either I suppose but uh, I'm I'm delighted to see uh, that Paul Hughes has signed with uh, Cagers and and Paul Redmond as well. I like he he needs a big fight. I, I think he you put him in there against someone right at the top. I I'm not sure, but do you reckon he'd fight John McCulligan? Do you reckon that that fight would happen? The two lads to take that, or do they the best of fighting each other? Yeah, well, like you know, they trained together. Redder and and McCulligan have trained together uh, in the past, and that they know each other and they're friends. But you know, if if you know, I don't see why not. Like. If if they're doing it for free in the gym, they might as well do it in sure. the do it in the cage. That's. But you know, some people have a different. And some people are very very against fighting teammates or people they even passingly know. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know what both guys. Maybe one guy would be up for it, the other guy wouldn't. It's hard to know. But I, I yeah, I think both guys would just say here, yeah, we'll fucking we can be friends after. Yeah, I look. I think if, if say if Joe gets a title shot against Sardari, I think Bin Lakdar versus. Um, Versus Paul Redmond is a, is a very, very good fighter. Maybe if Redmond gets the, the title fight, maybe Joe versus Ben Lactar too. Or, you know, there's a lot of good people around there. But however, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the two Pauls back in uh, in Cage Warriors. Obviously, Ian Gary as well fighting for title coming up. Decky McAleen is still around there as well. And Joe McCulligan, as we mentioned. And uh, a few the lads from down in Cork and everything. So it's an uh, exciting time uh, for Cage Warriors. Right. Uh, let me throw it over now to Sean Sheehan to bring you up to date with the goings on from last night. Take it away, Shani. Thank you very much, Shani. Right. Um, where do we begin? <laughs> where do we begin? Uh, if people weren't watching that, uh, if people weren't up during the night, if you're just waking up to this in the morning and listening to uh, to me talking about uh, the UFC Fight Night 24 card and 
the uh, Thriller Fight Club, Ben Askren versus Jake Paul. It was a bit mad. Look, I'll, I'll go through the uh, DOC first because I know a lot of people don't care about this Ben Askren, so, so I leave that uh, until the end and I'll save you that. But you can't speak about him apart at the start. Just to unpack it, I suppose, it, it was one of those nights where there's two events on at the exact same time. Both main events came on at the exact same time and it was going back and forth throughout them. Now, the biggest issue, I think, for the UFC and for people watching the UFC and also wanting to see what happened with Ben Askren was... The UFC card was absolutely atrocious. Every fight um, on the main card went to a decision. Two more before the main card went to a decision. And only two fights finished on the whole night. So it was one of those cards where it just wasn't a great card. If you didn't stay up to watch it, you missed basically nothing. <laughs> there were, like, it was, I saw a few people saying, oh, there's like contentious decisions and stuff. I didn't really think there was much in that even you know there was one fight that ended and it went to uh it went to a no contest i'm not a no contest but like um what's it called a technical decision um in the third round and i thought there could have been a few 10 tens there but there wasn't every judge scored it 10 nine so that was the that was the only thing but it was one of those nights so let's run through the uh the ufc card quickly uh tony gravely i thought was probably the standout person on this card it looked really good in the opener against anthony burchak after uh Ian interviewed him during the week, so Ian put on the good touch on him. Looked really good on the ground with his striking and all. Uh, Austin Hubbard then got a win over Dakota Bush, 29-28, and all three cards. You know, exactly what it says in the tin. 1-2, uh, last one. Gerald Mearshart, I thought, looked good as well. He was, he's a um, submission game. We all know about that. Really good. Got him with a, a guillotine after the second minute uh, of the first round. The closest fight, I suppose, was Jessica Minet versus... Jessica Pinay even versus uh, Lupita Godinez. Um, a really, really close fight. I thought Godinez won the first. I haven't seen the cards actually, but um, Pinay took her back like three minutes into the first round. Landed no shots, didn't get any submissions off after Godinez had kind of beaten her up. And the second two, the, the second and third round were just very close. Like Godinez um was on the ground and Pinay was kind of dominating her for most of the round she got up she landed one good shot but not a huge shot and I thought Pinay landed some nice shots as well so I would have given Pinay the second round to be honest I thought it was close I haven't seen the judges cards this is one of those fights where it could be 30-27 either way you know it was one of those and the third I gave it to Godinez based on one slam and I didn't even think there was much in that slam to be honest so uh I would have scored of her but based on nothing really really based on nothing um, after that, Alexander Romanov won, as I mentioned, that technical decision. Uh, one and two were shared, uh, and then two of the judges gave him the uh, the minute and a half of round three. Uh, Luis Pena came out then and had a good performance enough, but a split decision, a close fight uh, with Alexander Munoz. Tracy Carter has looked okay as well against Justin Cash, another close on split decision. Malcoon used his wrestling against Alessandro to win the decision. Arlovsky. And Sherman put on a good fight. There was some, uh, there was some big shots and big letter exchange and that, and they both kind of came through it. So fair play to the two of them. And um, Robert Whitaker was phenomenal. This was a display by Robert Whitaker that I've never seen from Robert Whitaker before in in totality. Like I spoke about it last week. I was like, how is Robert Whitaker going to win? How does he normally win his fights? He wins it by like going forward, breaking your steam. You know, breaking what you do in the middle because of the timing he has but also the pace and the amount of output that he 
outputs. <laughs> there, there you go. Output, outputs. I fucking Mike Goldberg on it. But that's that's the beauty of Robert Whittaker. He didn't do that here, though. He did the breaking kind of in the middle. I think, um, uh, who was it? Conor Rebush had a good tweet about it. And I was thinking about it just as I kind of read the tweet. But as Gastelum was uh, throwing his combinations, he was avoiding the first shot, striking in the middle, and then avoiding the second shot from Gastelum as well. It was absolutely beautiful stuff from Robert Whittaker. But he was fighting more off the back foot than I've ever seen him before. You know, he was fighting Gaslam's fight. Like, if you were to predict his fight, say, if Gaslam gets to go forward all the time, throw all these big shots, and Robert Whitaker's not going forward much, I think everyone probably said, ooh, Gaslam might have won that fight. You know, he might have knocked him out or he might have won. In actual fact, that's what happened. And Robert Whitaker won 50-45 on all, all, all three judges. I didn't even... I came up to uh, to record before I even heard the results. And that's actually the first I've seen it. But it makes sense. Because it, it was one of those fights. Almost knocked Gaslam out with a head kick in the first round. Just a brilliant display from Robert Whitaker. You have to make him versus Adesanya now. There's no getting around that. So, look, it was worth staying up until, what time have we? 6.22 in the morning to, to see that. Because it was absolutely phenomenal. Um... So yeah, that's that. Uh, not a great card, but a phenomenal performance from Whitaker. Um, on this Ben Askren fight, if you just want to hear the result, I'll tell you the result first, and then I'll talk maybe a bit about, more about the uh, the event itself, if people want to tune, <laughs> to tune out and not listen to that. Um, so the result was, Ben Askren was knocked out by Jake Paul in the first round with a big overhand right punch that was set up by a, a nice jab uh, from Jake Paul. Uh, Aspen came out and landed a couple of shots early. He was the the very kind of high up Ben Askren boxing sense, which we've seen out of him before. Terrible, terrible boxer, just is not good at all. And Jake Paul, you know, if you watched his couple of bouts that we've seen before, he knows how to throw a jab, he knows how to throw a right hand, he can defend, and he's fast and relatively athletic. And he did a great job, you know. People can say whatever they want as about itself, as an exhibition. Uh, Jake Paul was just superior to Ben Askren and he knocked him down and and I would say knocked him out it was a TKO definitely Ben Askren got up and the referee stopped it he was doing like the sending eight counting and the referee came in and stopped it could Ben Askren have gone on yeah absolutely I don't think it's a case of like he would have been just finished immediately as well if he had gone on so but I think Jake Paul would have won <laughs> it was just too much of a, a skill difference there like people uh, equate Jake Paul inside of the ring with outside of the ring. For for a YouTuber, he's a very very good boxer. For anyone you know, normally off the street, if they go into a boxer size class, Jake Paul is going to be miles and miles big better than you. Now, if he goes in there and he fights Canelo, he's going to get destroyed or whatever. But as we saw tonight, there are guys in MMA. Ben Askren may be the very worst of them, <laughs> but there's guys that he can beat. Now, I think it's interesting what he does next where is the move for for jack paul uh does he take another one like this and fight dylan dennis maybe that's the move where it's another one where he'd probably win it on the feet you know probably box up dylan dennis as well although dylan is, is a bit better uh so i would say significantly better actually didn't ben Askren, but still not fantastic um or does he go all out and go immediately for mcgregor like that mcgregor fight is going to happen now i think i think he showed tonight that he can knock a guy out and that's all he needs you know we we can make we can <laughs> people can make a highlight reel of jake paul knocking out an mma fighter and goes he can knock out guys he can knock out conor mcgregor you can build as an actual fight now and put all the rest behind it as well so i would be surprised if that didn't happen <laughs> somewhere down the line 
but the, the thing is so this whole thriller card this whole spectacle they had uh ice cube and they <laughs> and they had snoop dogg and justin bieber was there and he sang a couple of songs and other people who i'd never heard of as well um and kevin Oily reported that's been tens of millions to get those people in with no crowd uh <laughs> and on uh fight tv pay-per-view and things like that how much money are you bringing in like where is the money coming from is this unending burning of money going to be able to last like is that is that a thing that happens? it's it can't be unless it's some fucking i don't know where the money is coming from or some russian oligarch or you know saudi arabia or somewhere like that maybe if that's it maybe it can go on but um it doesn't seem logical and also doesn't seem logical for people like justin bieber to be associated with a madness like this um and for his like agent and his publicist and stuff to be associated with this where oscar de la Haye is coming on the commentary absolutely out of his fucking face snoop dogg is roaring all this different shit it's just it's crazy i'll get it no it was funny i thought it was funny the oscar de la Haye stuff got kind of sad in the middle when you realize like that oscar de la Haye has had like substance abuse problems and it was like funny for a while the stuff he was kind of roaring and you know all that but then it was like jumping the shark where it's like right he's just roaring here because like he's a fucking 55 year old man who's pissed out of his fucking face and like no everyone's laughing at him and it was one of those you know it turned into one of those um and that was like oh this is kind of jumped the shark um overall it's i was watching it i was talking to uh who was i talking to i think it was, oh, it was andrew again i was talking to him on voice notes and um I said it to him, as like, this is the sort of thing that me and you and everyone probably listening to this are like Kaposa and all these the hardcore MMA fans. We will go back and watch this every time. You know, if it's on, even if it's on during the UFC, we'll have it on the background or whatever. But I clicked on like the hashtag thriller fight night or whatever it was tonight. And there was normal people, you know, like journalists and musicians and sports people actually watching this. Those people will not watch this again. Maybe they might watch it once. But they're not going to continue to watch it. They might watch it if McGregor's on it. They might watch it if there's someone big on it. But they're not going to go through a six-hour show where it's fucking just madness like this and continue to watch it. That's just... And especially when the pandemic moves on. That is just not going to happen. Uh, And the money as well. I don't know where they're going to go with that. So... Look, it was... uh, (laughs) It was was all a bit mad, to be honest. Uh, And... uh, yeah, hold on. Let me look at me, let me look at my notes here. See if I'm forgetting anything. I actually didn't take too many notes because uh, uh, during that uh, tonight because it was it was so late and it was just so insane that I was like, God Almighty, I don't know what's going on here. So um, yeah, I oh my other oh, my notes actually from the other day. Invicta have signed with um, Access TV and they said they're going to be uh, on digital platforms worldwide. So hopefully on YouTube or whatever here. I must actually ask them and, and find out. But um. That's good news. Good to see Invicta back. You know, uh, women's sports have really taken off all over the world and all different sorts of sports. And MMA has really led the way because, you know, MMA, as we talked about earlier on, we talked about the two women's fights right up there with the the men's welterweight fight. And I think, you know, I said earlier on the podcast, without even knowing I was going to say this now, that those are two fights I'm looking forward to more than the men's one, I think. And I think in, in MMA... There was a bit of it at the start where people were like, oh, the mind the women's MMA when it came to the UFC. But now, I even think like, uh, like our most obnoxious of fans don't even mention it. You know, all MMA fans, I think, 
like women's MMA. Now, the, the problem with some women's MMA is that women's MMA is still growing and men's MMA is still growing as well, I suppose. But at the entry level, I suppose, to lots of organisations, it can be very low level. But the level is getting higher all the time and especially at the very top level, the Manda Nunes and Zhang Weili and all. It's absolutely phenomenal. So MMA is leading the way, and Invicta has been the person, the person, the uh, fight league that has provided m- most, if not all, of these fighters uh, in the UFC at the moment at the very top. So fantastic to see them back, and hopefully they'll be able to grow even more and do better than they've been doing in the last few years. Because I think, uh, well, I don't know what the reason is myself and Ian discussing the chasing back, but they've been held back a little bit. Um, whether it's themselves, whether it's Fight Pass, whether it's the UFC, I don't know, and whether it's just UFC taking fighters off, maybe. Um, but I'm looking forward to see what they do. Uh, right, it's half six. I'm gonna go. Thank you to everybody for listening. If you have any questions for your Q and A, fire at me. Do you know what? We'll make the Q and A free this week, Tuesday morning. Uh, part one of it anyway. <laughs> we'll see how many. Uh, we'll see how many uh, questions we have, and I'll uh, put part two up on uh, up on Patreon as well. So, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Peace out. See you all next time. Good luck.